Derek Hunter Podcast for the fourth day of October, 2022. Yeah, that's right. October, it's, a, it's birthday week for baby Bailey. So she'll be turning four soon. Good Lord. Yeah, if you heard her yesterday, she sounds three or four. And goofy as the day is long. So wish her happy birthday. And we're, but, but, bleh, bleh, what better way to wish her happy birthday than to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com and become a member of the show. Get the uh, Week in F and Review and all that good stuff. And uh, check it out. Help the show out. Or you can just go straight to PayPal. Derek Allen Hunter at gmail.com. She wants what she wants is a uh, bluey house. And princess stuff. My God, what a life! What a life! All right, let us uh, let's just keep this intro short and get on with the program. There is a lot going on in the world. A bunch of stuff to talk about. We've got um, the aftermath of the hurricane. The left is desperately, desperately trying to get to anything they can on Ron DeSantis. They're trying to. They they have a chance to get rid of Ron DeSantis, and by a chance, I'm not saying that he's at risk, but their chance is the election. That's their chance. And they want to avail themselves of that election, that chance. That That is it. This is this is their baby. Ron DeSantis is the biggest threat to Joe Biden right now in 2024, I think. Donald Trump, they've got polling showing that Trump doesn't do well against Biden. And Trump is a known commodity. Even the polls that show it being close between Biden and DeSantis you have to take into consideration that the vast majority of Americans don't know who Ron DeSantis is or don't know very much about him. They don't. And you sit there and you can say, well, Derek, they talk about Ron DeSantis all the time. You have to remember that the vast majority of Americans and American voters don't watch or listen to the news. They just don't. As bizarre as that seems, and as much as we all care and conservatives care about the the fate of the country and the situation in the country, most people don't. They're too busy or they're indifferent, whatever the case may be. So you're sitting there and you're, you know Ron DeSantis, you know his record, you know his style, you understand his successes. And uh, other people go, he's... Uh, He's the governor of Florida, right? And that, that's the reaction that you get. You immediately know who he is. Most people don't. You can't blame them. Look, if you, live in, if you live in Idaho, you live in one of the Dakotas, you live in the Midwest or the, West, it, it, or the Northeast, why would you know the governor of Florida? You, you wouldn't. Who's the governor of North Carolina? Who's the governor of South Carolina? Who's the governor of Tennessee? Who's the governor of Utah? You have no idea. Unless you live in those states, you have no idea. You might know Greg Abbott because he's been in the news recently, but you really have to watch the news to get that. You might know Brian Kemp because he's up for re-election and he's running against the left-wing god Stacey Abrams, and Donald Trump hates him. So you might know them. But in general, you're not going to know another state's governor. Why would you know another state's governor? I sit here and I live just south of Pennsylvania. 
And when I was, I wrote a column over the weekend and I had to look, I don't think I referenced it. Maybe I did. I don't know. But I, I looked up, who the, what the hell is the name of the, and I do this for a living. What's the name of the governor of Pennsylvania? I couldn't think of it. So it's, it's Murphy or is it Wolf? It's Tom Wolf, just like the famous writer Tom Wolf, except this guy's a jerk, leftist. And I couldn't, I was like, is it Murphy? No, that's New Jersey. Because I don't live in Pennsylvania. As close as I am to Pennsylvania, I don't live in Pennsylvania. I'm not inundated with ads for that. I wasn't inundated with. So you have to understand that most people don't know who these people are. But the media knows. And the media sees these people coming down the pipe. And they say, we have to find a way. This is a threat. This person is a threat. And they will detect threats and do everything they can to try and destroy threats before they are able to manifest themselves. Threats to Democrats, I mean. And that's what Ron DeSantis is right now. If Donald Trump announced tomorrow that he were running, you're either for Donald Trump or you're against Donald. You'd either vote for him or you wouldn't vote for him. There aren't a whole lot of Gee, I don't know. I got to figure out what this guy's about. And, oh, shucks. I should really. Uh, you got to let me know what he believes in. No, you know, Donald Trump, you either like him or you don't you either can stand him or you can't. Whatever it is, the minds are by and large made up. Now, the persuadables are the people who go, I don't really like Donald Trump, but I can't stand what Joe Biden has created. You know, those people are, you know, do I want to vote for Donald Trump? Because Joe Biden is so terrible at the job, do I want to do that? And as obvious as that seems to most people, everybody else in the world just kind of looks at it and goes, eh, they'll look at it in those terms. They'll think of it in those terms. DeSantis is different. DeSantis has a record. DeSantis has a record that is not only uh, clear, it is the opposite of Joe Biden's record. There is a direct contrast. There have been many, many times when Ron DeSantis has done things that displease the Biden administration. And the Biden administration hasn't been shy about attacking the DeSantis administration down in Florida. Like on uh, masking, masking mandates, on school closures, things like that, on vaccine mandates. They have been polar opposites. It's one thing to tweet about them or post on social media that you're opposed to them. It's something else entirely to actually actively implement those things and take the slings and arrows from the administration. DeSantis has done that, and DeSantis has by and large come out doing pretty well, and particularly when you look at the results. Now, if you look at the mainstream media, the left-wing media, you, you might not think so. But if you look at the actual results, you'll see that DeSantis has done pretty well. So they are desperately trying to find anything to nail DeSantis for. And that brings us to the hurricane. I told you last week that they would try to make and they would seize upon anything possible to make, to spin this hurricane into Hurricane Ian into, name almost eluded me for a second, to spin Hurricane Ian into Katrina. It's Ron DeSantis's Katrina. Oh my goodness, can you believe it? It's just as bad, if not worse. It is a government dropping the ball, which is weird. 
because they painted Katrina as a massive failure of the federal government, right? FEMA. I've already explained why FEMA doesn't do FEMA doesn't deal with the last mile of the supply chain. They uh, that's up to local governments, but they're trying to say that this is Ron DeSantis's FEMA. Which you'd sit there and you'd go logically. Granted, logic has no place in this discussion, but you would say logically. So you're saying it's a federal government failure? <laughs> that's not what they mean, but you get the idea. They want to blame the destruction and as many deaths as humanly possible on Ron DeSantis. Now, there's a place called Lee County in Florida. It was hit hard. It was devastated by Hurricane Ian. It was not under an an evacuation order until 20 minutes, or 20 minutes, 24 hours before the hurricane hit. Why? Was it a failure of government, first of all, the... No, the federal government didn't call for one either. Remember, the Bush administration called for an evacuation of New Orleans for like four days, and nobody did it. The local government didn't bother to do it ever and left buses and all the means to get people out of there sitting in a big, giant flood. That was all completely forgotten. The evacuation order didn't happen in Lee County. Why? Because there were no models projecting the course of Ian to go through Lee County until 24 hours before, once it became clear that it was a possibility. They were focusing on Tampa because, thanks to federal government projection models, the hurricane was going to hit Tampa. It didn't. It went north. Okay, so, or south, or wherever the hell Tampa is. It veered, it changed course as happens. So the government of Florida was going off the federal government's hurricane models. And you sit there and you say, well, Derek, if you're a liberal, you go, well, Derek, they could have evacuated. Yeah, they could have. They could have called for an evacuation of the entire state. But you can't do that. And logistically, you can't do that. There are millions of people who live in Florida. If you just evacuated the Gulf Coast, logistically, you know how tied up the roads would be? People would be stuck. There aren't enough gas stations selling enough gas and have enough gas to sell to evacuate the entire Gulf Coast of Florida on the way up or over to the other side of the state. There just aren't. So what do you do? You evacuate as few people as possible and you evacuate the people who are most likely to be in the path of the most destruction. That makes perfect sense. Unless you're a Monday morning quarterback. The media loves being Monday morning quarterbacks and boy howdy, did they want to nail Ron DeSantis on this. We don't know how many people have died in Lee County. I think the death toll I saw right as of now is up to like 37 or something like that. It's Each one of them is a tragedy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay that. Each one of those deaths is a tragedy. It truly is. But it could have been worse. could have been much worse. I think Democrats really wish it were much worse. And they're still going to try and spin this. Now, the number will go up. But the Democrats are already trying to spin this as something more than it is. Right now, I guess the Lee County death toll is 35, according to Mike Baker of the New York Times, to which Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, who Donald Trump still gave, gave three interviews for her book that he was, knew was going to be negative about her. I'll never understand that. guy. She tweeted it out, a delayed evacuation 
and a massive death toll. Yeah, that Ron DeSantis, he delayed the evacuation. Well, that was the guise under which CNN started asking questions, if you can call it that. Their national correspondent, I can't remember her name, it doesn't matter, was down in Florida, and she tries to corner Ron DeSantis. She tries to blame him. for just Get him to admit, look, you did so. Why didn't you do this earlier? Why didn't you do this earlier? DeSantis handles this beautifully without going at her. It does, sort of, because the truth is her enemy, but he doesn't go at her personally. He goes at her with the facts. She doesn't really have a counter-argument to this. It was a beautiful thing. Listen to this exchange. Do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry stationed uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they um, but they did. And, and I think it's um, it's easy to second guess them. But they were ready for the whole time and, um, and and made that call when when there was justifiable to do so. He just lays it right out for her. unambiguously. She's sitting there dumbfounded. Well, she works for CNN. I mean, what are you going to do? But uh Understanding that she works for CNN and knowing her role, she goes and tries to take yet another bite at that apple. It doesn't work out for her any better the second time. Some of their neighboring counties, though, did have mandatory evacuations before Tuesday. Well, right, but her neighboring, I mean, if you look at, like, um, Tuesday morning, they had moved the track down, models started showing it going to, like, Sarasota, you know, so that's, that's so, so they did that. I was in Sarasota that day with them when they were expanding some of their evacuations. You know, Charlotte, I think, did the same thing either Monday night or Tuesday morning. Um, so, you know, but don't forget, Sunday... Uh, 11 a.m. advisory, it was going to go to Taylor County in North Florida. And so, you know, at, the, at some point, you got to look to see kind of where this thing is going. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think it. I, I think that it's um, it's easy to say in hindsight, you know, we had most of our supply station in the Tampa Bay area. As that track moved, we, we shifted our response further south as well. Now, we said there would be impacts for sure. And even when it was going to hit North Florida, it's such a big storm, there was going to be impacts in south southwest Florida as well. But the difference between impacts and having the, the the eye go there is much different and for most of sunday monday and even in the tuesday it was 100 150 miles away beautifully he swats her away away the way you might bat away a fly or a gnat but she was trying oh man she was trying she desperately wanted well uh, you're you're responsible for these you know your delay in ordering this was well, we were basing it off the models. We we're going with what? Where were you guys? If you thought this area was going to be hit, why were you someplace? Well, uh, uh, yeah, they don't have an answer. But when the truth is on your side, use the truth. DeSantis does that beautifully. That's the reason why the White House lies so often. And then when the truth is on your side, use it. Democrats don't have that luxury. So they uh, 
the media desperately, definitely, most desperately, wants to destroy Ron DeSantis. And so they seize on anything and everything that he does. And that's what, if you really want to get down to it, that's what makes how little they've actually been. There have been things. They've landed punches on him. Ron DeSantis isn't the perfect candidate. He isn't the perfect politician. Nobody is. But he's done damn good. Consider Damn good. He's done damn well considering the amount of pressure and the size of the bullseye that these people have placed right on his back. Another example, well, he didn't actually have, he didn't bother responding. One of the things, one of the things President Trump, I wish he would learn, and if he runs again, if he learns this, this will help him, is you don't always have to hit back. You don't always have to launch a nuclear strike against a gnat. You know, tis the season you get those stink bugs in the house, right? You got these stupid Where do they come from? And what are they doing? They're just standing there on the ceiling looking up and you're like, okay, well, this is annoying. How did you get there with nobody noticing this? Can you transport? If you can, maybe we wouldn't kill you. We'd learn from you and, and appreciate it. But they, uh, the stink bugs are everywhere. You don't have to go nuclear on the stink bug. Every t- sometimes some of them annoy you. We had a problem where before we had uh, storm doors put in, we were getting flies in the house. Not constantly, but uh, when it was one time in particular after having some friends over, I think for, might have been for Quinn's birthday, there were just like 10 flies in the house. Because there's no, there's no storm doors, there's no screens. Or, and so people coming in and out, the cats were contained, so we didn't have to worry about that. So the doors stayed open for a long period of time. My God, I wanted to just, I wanted to burn the whole house down. It's just like I want to destroy every, I want to I find the ancestors of these flies and hurt them. Yeah, I, maybe I overreacted a little bit, but we all, both of us, and even the kids got involved when, when the wife, when the mom and the dad are, are hating things and chasing them around and running around with, with fly swatters. The kids go, there's another one, there's another one. And they're mad at the fly too. Kind of nice. A family that slaughters flies together stays together. So uh, you don't always have to go nuclear on something that is annoying. I wish Trump would look at it and go, you're not worth talking to, or this isn't a question worth answering. DeSantis hasn't really responded to this yet, so far as I can tell. And he probably shouldn't. Because it's patently absurd on its face, and it makes Joy Reid look worse. And when your opponent is destroying themselves, let them. Get out of the way. You don't always have, when they're down on the ground flailing around like a child throwing a temper tantrum, you don't have to go up there and kick them on top of it. The rest of the country is looking at them and going, my God, what a, what a grade A jackass. that's the way to do it now what am i talking about what in the hell are you talking about hunter well the after every natural disaster particularly one like ian and you see this all the time there are there's a certain percentage of the population a very very small percentage of the population less than one percent for being honest but it doesn't take much it doesn't take much to uh, really screw things up 
One person with body odor can ruin a uh, a flight for everybody on the plane. A uh, that's pretty. That's not a bad analogy. I might have to remember that one. But it doesn't. Like I say, it doesn't take much to really ruin things. And they're, I'm talking about looters. Looters come in. There are people who are just horribly opportunistic in every region of the country and every type of human being who will see a situation where millions of houses are damaged. Millions of people are evacuated. There's no electricity. There's still no electricity. My uh, in-laws are down there in the uh, Fort Myers, Cape Coral area. They still don't have electricity. They still, last we heard, they still didn't have water. I don't know what, you got to have a lot of water main breaks to not have water because water generally flows because of gravity and water pressure built up from gravity. So there's no water. You can't even take a cold shower down there. They're using a, uh, well, I don't need to tell you what they're using. They have a neighbor who's been very nice and they have a generator. They run a hose into there. They're draining the pool they're using it with the, the, the electricity that they're able to generate. So it's a tough situation, which means at night, if you're out of power and a business doesn't have a generator, now remember, generators are gas-powered. Want to get rid of gasoline? If this disaster had happened in, in California in about 10 years, they wouldn't be able to generate power at night at all because... Well, they're idiots and they want to kneecap themselves when it comes to electricity and electricity generation. Now, if you're out in California, I highly recommend you get a uh, gasoline gener- electricity generator installed in your house now if you can, if they will let you, in preparation for when they screw up everything. But uh, that means it's a lot of opportunities for really bad people. Like I say, there's very few really bad people but in a nation of 330 million, even if it's half a percent, you're looking at quite a few people. People move in. Then there are just some people who, you know, I'll admit, if I'm, I always wanted to be a party to this for obvious reasons because I want the money. But you sit there and you hear these stories every once in a while where somebody's driving down the street and then I don't know what happens but the back door of an armored car flies wide open and bags of money come flying out. And for some reason, I don't know why, the drivers of the armored car don't notice it. Not for a a few miles. They go, hey, it's really kind of breezy in here suddenly. And so behind them is this wake of bags of money blowing around in the wind. And I I would scoop up a bag of money and I would go, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go maybe stick this in the garage for a little bit and see what happens. But I wouldn't go up to an armored car, and I understand, and don't send me messages about, hey, the morality is the same, and you're stealing, stealing, stealing. None of these things are ever going to come to pass, but uh, in my fictional mind, I would take advantage of this. But I wouldn't, like I say, rob an armored car. I wouldn't go rob a bank. So it's slightly different. There are people who, when confronted with a pile of cash in front of them, would go, oh, hey, look at that. Look at that. Would anybody notice if I took that? People who might find a... I once found a wallet uh, when I was working in D.C. And I looked up... Like you could, I looked up from the driver's license what he was doing. It had like 100 bucks in it. And I looked up from the driver's license where the guy was. I found him. I con- he worked for some left-wing organization. I worked for a right-wing organization. I worked for Americans for tax reform, which... Uh, 
it's sad that people who want fair taxation and people treated equally is considered right wing, but the media means it nastily. Anyway, I tracked him down. I sent him an email, said, hey, I found your wallet on the metro. Uh, I'm at the uh, corner of 20th and, and L Street or something, I think it was at the time. And so he said, oh, thank you. I'll be there at lunch. Now, I could have said, hey, man, when I found it, there was no money in it. But there was money in it. I gave it back to him. He sat in my office. We had a really awkward conversation. And he walked out, and that was it. There was no reward expected, no reward given. I could tell he didn't like being where I was working, but it was just done. But the, the temptation was there. I could go, hey, there's 100 bucks, and throw the wallet in the garbage. He's probably already called and canceled all his credit cards and everything at this point if he's smart. But I didn't. The temptation was there, though. Of course the temptation is there. I'm not a perfect human being. I'm, sometimes in my life I've not been a good human being. So there are looters. These are really bad human beings. I don't think that, you know, I think there's a difference between finding a bag of money on the ground and not looking too hard for whoever might have dropped a brown paper bag with money and nothing else. I don't think looking for that, but calling the police and turning it in. I don't think that's that person's bad. But if there's a house that's been leveled, the people are devastated. They're in the hospital. They've died. They, they're staying with friends or something uh, in the nighttime because there's no electricity and they have no roof and you going into their house and rummaging through looking for i don't know anything people's jewels have been blown all over the place whatever it is that's not good there are bad people who would do that people i guarantee you went to florida from elsewhere in the country to just do that so governor DeSantis had a warning for those People don't do it. We will prosecute you. And by the way, Florida is a very pro-Second Amendment state. And if you get shot looting, if somebody is defending themselves and their property because you're sitting there trying to get a free TV or whatever it is, be prepared that you could be shot. And they're probably not going to prosecute you because it will be justified. Well... Joy Reid has a problem with that. First, let's listen to Governor Ron DeSantis make this accurate and good statement. The other thing that we're concerned about, particularly in those areas that were really hard hit, is, you know, we want to make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage of people in this vulnerable uh, situation. And so local law enforcement is involved in, 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 in monitoring that. You know, I told Kevin if the state needs to help as well, uh, because you, know, you can have people, you know, bringing boats into some of these islands and trying to ransack people's homes. Um, I can tell you in the state of Florida, uh, you never know what may be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want to chance that if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. <laughs> What's lurking behind? Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Only the shadow knows. We're a Second Amendment state, meaning, watch out, somebody's going to shoot you. You try and loot, and there's a good chance that somebody's going to shoot you. You're not going to really get a whole lot of sympathy from people if you're out here trying to loot so don't do it stay away naturally this horrified the pearl clutching class oh my goodness can you believe he just said what he said ah oh. and that brings us to msnbc's race lady that's actually a lot of people competing for this one but she's the original race lady 
She took that clip and tweeted it out and said, when the, quote, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Segregationist Miami Sheriff Walter E. Headley, 1967. Didn't take long for DeSantis to return to form. <laughs> Ron DeSantis is a segregationist. He hates black people. He, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis is a racist. Why is Ron DeSantis a racist? Because he said looting. Okay. Did he say black people? Did he say Hispanic? Did he say any kind of... No, he didn't. You're the one with the dog ears, right? You heard the dog whistle, you say. Oh, it's a dog whistle. It's secret code for black people. Really, why is it when you hear looting, you think black people? Why is it when you hear looting, you think black people, Joy? Because that's where the real racism lies. I hate to break it to you, but if you want to see a racist... Find a reflective surface. Now, I'd understand why you wouldn't want to see a reflective surface. I wouldn't blame you for that in any way, shape, or form. You'd avoid them. You use, you know, you'd get rid of every mirror and glass in your home. You use nickel-brushed silverware so you don't even have to see your face upside down as you eat your morning granola. But the reality is he never mentioned race. Just like when Newt Gingrich was running for president in 2012, he talked about the need for more welfare reform. What did the left do? Oh, well, you are talking about black people. No, there's more white people on welfare than there are black people. But still, why is it that you hear this? The problem is you. You can tell, like, when uh, somebody's out there at a party, that really unco- you talk about, oh, so-and-so uh, had an affair, and that's why they're getting divorced. <laughs> and everybody kind of laughs, like, ah, oh, what an idiot. And then there's that one guy in the corner sort of loosening his collar, going, whoop. You probably want to watch that guy a little bit if you're his wife. You probably want to go, hey, uh, talk of an affair made you suddenly break out into a cold sweat. Why, why is that, Earl? Uh, no reason. No reason whatsoever. You are the problem, Joy. This is how leftists work. They project. It has to be racism. It must be racism. It has to be racism. Well, you know what? It is. It's on your behalf. You hear a white guy talk about something, and you immediately ascribe him the worst possible interpretation of what he is saying. That's on you. That's because of your, wait for it, racism. That's right, Joy. Now, I understand. That's your brand. That's what you do, considering your ratings and how low they are and the amount of people you actually appeal to. You uh, you are the masochist's television host. It's a whole bunch of rich, white, suburban, not a whole bunch, but enough, rich, white, suburban liberals probably have an advanced degree, most likely hire domestics to help take care of their kids who need to be told on a daily basis how awful they are, how racist they are, how just mean they are, and how their privilege is why they have everything they have and why other people don't have what they have. They want to hear it. They need to hear it. They need to be, these are the kind of people who want to be choked and called different names during certain intimate acts. And you're just sitting there, you're going, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, MSNBC is what's wrong with them. The Democratic Party is what's wrong with them. I have no problem with that these people exist. There's a thing called Race to Dinner. It's an organization called Race to Dinner. You can have a uh, 
a white and black liberal woman come over to your house and have dinner with you and your friends. You can organize this. Have dinner with you and your friends, and they'll explain to you about why you're racist. (laughs) I swear to God, people pay for this privilege. And they're like, who the hell would want that? Not a normal person, not a well-adjusted person, but somebody with some serious mental issues would want that. And they look at it and they go, yeah, you know what I really want to do? I want to have a meal where somebody tells me how awful I am. Well, if you want to have an hour every night that somebody tells you you're just a horrible racist or you're a victim and you're never going to get ahead and you couldn't possibly adapt to anything and you are incapable of taking care of yourself and you can't succeed because of your skin color, you can watch the Joy Reid show, whatever the hell it's, it's like. I don't even know what the hell it's called anymore. But you can watch that. It's all you. Nobody's stopping you. I wish you would. It'd be easier to identify these people. But I mean, the fact that her ratings are so low and so pathetic bodes well for this country. It indicates just how little influence these people have. Problem is, it tends to grow around election times. And the people who watch this stuff, who listen to this stuff, who need this sort of thing, they vote. That's why it's important that you vote. That's why it's important that we vote. That's why it's important that you grab anybody like-minded in a headlock and drag them to the polls. I, I got, I've read some of the emails. Oh, you're shilling for, uh, for Ron DeSantis and people. To, everybody accuses everybody of shilling for somebody. I'm, not, not shill, I'm telling you straight up, I like the guy. I like the guy, right? I haven't followed his career or even his governorship uh, that closely, but I like the guy. He's done a hell of a job, as far as I can tell, and most importantly, he's able to seemingly handle the pressure, the attempts to knock him down. I like that he can handle that. The people in Florida seem to like him. We'll find out in November whether or not that's true, or and by how much. But it sure seems, especially when you're running against a crusty old washed-up has-been like Charlie Crist. Charlie Crist is going to end up being an ambassador to somewhere. I can't imagine him being worthy of, well, I mean, if you look at the people that Biden has appointed to his cabinet, there's a possibility. But Charlie Crist, I don't think, is running for governor again with any expectation or real hope in his mind, not just in general, of winning. His job is to try and attack Ron DeSantis as much as humanly possible to try and damage him for 2024 as much as possible. And what's funny is he's not really doing a very good job of it. He's not really doing a very good job of it at all. It Ron, When's the last time you heard anything about Charlie Crist? Oh, yeah, when he won the nomination, he said, I don't want the support of people who like Ron DeSantis. Like, okay, well, that's that's really good. They're horrible people. Oh, that's a hell of an election strategy. Call the majority of the state uh, citizens jerks. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's an answer. Anyway, uh, since we've been on the subject of the hurricane when talking about Ron DeSantis, I want to play this clip from our uh, vice president, Kamala Harris. She's, she's historic, too. Did you know that? She's the first woman and woman of color, first African-American woman, even though she's Caribbean and her ancestors from the Caribbean were one of the biggest slave owners in the Western Hemisphere. But that's beside the point. Democrats overlook that. But God forbid you're, you know, 12 times removed 18th great-great-great-grandfather 
once for 20 minutes owned a slave, then you're forever cursed. You got to love that. Benjamin Franklin was a rabid anti uh, abolitionist. But at one point in his young life, for a very short period of time, he owned a slave. Let him go. But he did own a slave. And that's enough for him to be tarnished forever. But Benjamin Franklin didn't go to the town square and say, this is because of slavery, and then set himself on fire in protest is enough for the left to go, eh, he's just one of those uh, racist founding fathers. Like, really? Really? Just, just go ahead and say you hate the idea of this country or you hate people who are not white. They just say it. Or, yeah, you hate people who are white. Just say it. Don't pretend that, oh, well, we found in his past for about 38 minutes on a, a wagon train, he rode with somebody who had a slave and he didn't walk over and stab the man. Okay. Therefore, he must be a slaver. Oh, okay. If that's the standard, then what about the vice president's, I think it was great grandfather or great great grandfather wasn't that far back they uh biggest biggest slave owners in the caribbean now that's different why because she's on our team she's also the first indian american is she oh congratulations for her she's wildly incompetent and she got her start in politics by <coughs> and <coughs> willie brown yeah it's true look it up you can fill in the coughs for yourself Anyway, at an event on Friday, she made it clear that given, and this is, uh, if Republicans can't make hay out of this, I don't know what to tell you. I can't imagine any, if somebody said, hey, uh, something horrible has happened and we're going to prioritize the relief of that, uh, from that, but we're going to let white people go first. So, hey, white, I'd be like, what the hell? No, that's sick. What's wrong with you? Uh, so I imagine that uh, most people, even if they personally might benefit from this, would look at this and go, this is sick and wrong. I don't want to be a party to this. But the pre vice president of the United States making it official government policy, or at least a government uh, balloon being floated, it's, it's, it's policy. They're going to try and implement this. This will lead to law all sorts of lawsuits is trying to say and is saying that we are going to, the government, the Biden administration is going to dole out hurricane relief based on skin color in the name of equity. You want to talk about evil? You want to talk about, you want to talk about racist segregationists, Joy Reid? Eh, that's the Biden administration. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And, and so women. we. Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. And, of course, the audience goes, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Now, I want to play that again, but I'm going to stop it at uh, pretty early on. The real, the operative point of this in general. I mean, they, equity, we want equity. Equity is uh, equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity. Everybody gets an opportunity in this country. The Democrats 
want equality of outcome, which is impossible without hindering other people, without kneecapping other people, because some people will just do better than others. Like, for example, uh, Indian Americans do better than anybody else when it comes to income. So should we introduce an Indian American tax? Like white people, evil whiteies, like number seven in the ethnic group in average income. Should we punish it? No, they wouldn't want to do that. Of course, Kamala wouldn't want to do that. That would impact her. But listen to this clip, and I'll stop it at the appropriate moment. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And I'm so women. we... Absolutely. It is our minority income. They're impacted most by this thing. And it's things that are not of their own making. They elect the Democrats. The areas that she, the, the, uh, the areas where the people she's describing live tend to be, almost without exception, dominated by Democrats generationally. Dominated by Democrats generationally. I mean, it, part of the blame, I suppose you could say, is that Republicans have given up on certain areas, but how much good money after bad do you expect Republicans to throw in a place like Chicago, in a place like Baltimore, in a place like Detroit, in a place like St. Louis? And they go, we don't stand a chance. Why would we bother? Now, there's entrenched Democrat loyalty and massive corruption to make sure to really send it home. And say, what do you mean corrupt? If they're loyal, why do they need to be corrupt? Well, because those cities help push those states blue sometimes. That's where the corruption comes in. They pack the ballot boxes. The I can't remember a presidential election year except for maybe the last one where Democrats planned ahead and the polls weren't really open. It was vote by mail where there's weren't emergency orders in Missouri to keep St. Louis polls open late. Why? Well, the lines are so big. Why is it the lines are so big? Why is it that people in St. Louis have this inability every four years to vote on one day, vote in one day? And vote in a timely fashion. Why can't they handle Why are they surprised by this? And then why do judges immediately order, all right, the polls can stay open until 11 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock? Huh. Well, that's weird. Why is that? Why is it that the major cities and Democrat-controlled areas always report their vote totals last? Well, because you need to keep the polls open later so you can find out how many votes you need. You need to bring in as many people as you can to try and counteract based on the Republican areas. What was the turnout in Republican areas? How late do we have? How many votes do we need? That's why Republicans have to win by more than Democrats can cheat. You sit there and you go, I don't know. We need to keep the polls open. All right, well, all right, we'll do that. And then we will see, uh, we'll turn in our vote count really, really late. Once we find out exactly how many votes we need, it is corruption in the highest order. And it happens every single time they swing the state. We're still waiting. How many times have you heard? We're still waiting for the votes to come in from Cleveland. Why are people in Cleveland incapable of running counting? These people aren't counting ballots. It's not like they're sitting there licking their thumbs. There's one and two, there's three, there's four. This isn't the 1920s anymore. It is all downloaded immediately and they know exactly what happened. 
And if they're scanned, they're all scanned. They're all, you know, the vote totals. Even if you're voting on paper, they're scanned right there immediately. They know the vote totals. Why aren't they turning those vote totals in until two o'clock in, in the morning? Well, you can figure it out. So you sit there and you go, well, these areas, they've been hardest hit because they're economically devastated. Well, maybe they're economically devastated because they keep electing Democrats. Maybe the Democrats that they keep giving power to aren't the best stewards of the economy. If you sit there and you go, oh, people, there's a, a disparity in the outcome. We need to do something different. What, the education, the school, the prison pipeline. Well, who's running that? Who's running that? Democrats are. Democrats constructed it. Democrats control the mechanism, the schools part that's feeding that pipeline, the school to prison pipeline. Why wouldn't you close the Instead of closing the prisons, why wouldn't you close the factories that are feeding the school to prison pipeline? Wouldn't you change the, the factories that are feeding this school to prison pipeline so democrats want equity in outcome they can do that not legally but they can do that by saying all right you guys get more money throw more money at the problem throw more money at the we'll throw more money at the problem. This is sort of what they're doing at ukraine we'll just keep throwing more money at the problem well for what two decades we've been throwing money at ukraine to keep their government propped up. And then, lo and behold, we discover, oh my God, this government is corrupt. So what do we do? We say, we need to change your government. All right, we changed our government. Give us more money. All right, here's more money. Hey, this government is corrupt. All right, here's uh, more money, but it's contingent upon you uh, not being corrupt. All right, new government. How about you uh, give us more money? And now they're in war. And they say, well, here's the most money of them all. Not saying Ukraine started this war or uh, is in conspire and conspiring with Russia for this war. I'm saying that uh, people giving our money so generously might want to go. We're giving an awful lot of money. Where's that money going? Where's that money going? You can probably run a war, especially if it's a war for your survival, for about I don't know a third of what we're sending over there. Do we have any accounting of what's going on with the money? Do we have any concern about it? No, it's somebody else's money. It's not it's our money, not not Joe Biden's money. He doesn't give a damn about the money, where it goes. He's probably getting a piece of the action anyway through Hunter. You sit there and you hear her want equality of outcome. Equality of outcome. The only way you can do that is by screwing over other people. I'm all for equality of opportunity. But if you really want equality of opportunity, you're going to have to stop voting for Democrats in areas that have been generationally Democrat, in areas that have been feeding the school-to-prison pipeline. You have to really defund Democrats. You have to look at the situation and say, these politicians, regardless of their skin color, but it's all about party affiliation, have been telling me and my family for generations that we cannot get ahead, that the system is rigged against us. Well, that's not true, first of all, but even if it were, to the extent that it is, and it is locally, the people who created that system are the Democrats. Yeah. The system is rigged against you. The school-to-prison pipeline, says the pipeline construction company. It's rigged against you. You can't get ahead, says the foreman on the crew that built the school-to-prison pipeline. 
maybe, just maybe, you might want to try a different direction. Instead, no, they're going to double down. Floating the idea of giving out hurricane relief based on skin color is, um, well, she was asked about it at an event over the weekend, and she refused. She just walked past. She pretended she didn't hear the question because I think she said the quiet part out loud. Most of what Democrats, look, there's nothing new about this. There's not, they've been hyping equity. The president and vice president and Democrats in general have been hyping equity since they came to office, since before they ran, when they were running for office. This shouldn't come as a surprise. Like, oh my God, you were serious about that? Of course they were serious about that. It's their bread and butter. It works with enough people to keep them in power, apparently. Meanwhile, there's a big case going before the Supreme Court of Asian Americans suing colleges for discriminating against them, against them. They don't qualify as minority because they are doing too well in college admissions. It'll be interesting to see how this case goes since today is the first day of the Supreme Court session. It'll be interesting to see how this case goes. We know how the Democrats are going to vote on the court. It'll be interesting to see if the Republicans will. Will the court side with Democrats and keep discrimination legal when it is not white versus not white? Be interesting to watch. All right, in other news, there I don't know. Did you go see any movies this week? Probably not. The box office indicates that nobody's really going to see the movies. And it's not because of COVID. It's not because of uh, a whole bunch of people scared of getting sick. There's some of that for sure, but it is not a whole bunch of people going, my God, I can't possibly go out there. I will get COVID and die. There's, you still see people with a mask. And I honestly don't care if somebody wants to wear a mask or not. If you want to wear a mask, do it. It's your life. It's your face. And you know your own health situations and whatever. So go ahead. But the weekend box office was not particularly good for Hollywood. There's a movie called Smile. I think it's a horror movie, if I had to guess. I think if I'm remembering correctly. That smile is after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient. Dr. Rose Cutter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. She must confront her uh, troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. That's the description of it at Box Office Mojo. It made $22 million over the weekend, which isn't terrible, I guess, probably for what is a, a low-budget horror movie that, if I had to guess... Eh, should I? Yeah, I'll, I'll, this is a complete guess, so it actually turns out to be a spoiler. Um, that's on them making predictable movies. If I can read the two sentence description of the movie and guess it, I would say that it is that Dr. Rose Cotter frightening occurrences she can't explain after a traumatic incident. I'm saying that she died or something, and she had to make peace with her own past. That's what it is, or her life flashing before her eyes. That would be my guess. But then you go right down from $22 million to $7 million for Don't Worry Darling, which is some left-wing feminist trope by Olivia Wilde, that all I ever hear about it is that um, nobody liked anybody on set. Nobody got along on set. Like, oh, okay, uh, this movie probably cost, uh, I don't know, $50, $60 million to make, and it is not going to make that money back when you consider the advertising. 
Then comes in the woman king, the woman king about the women-led tribe in Africa that uh, stands up to Whitey. That's the, the story that they tell in the movie, when in reality the tribe stood up with Whitey to, against tri- other tribes to try and maintain the the slave trade, because that's where they made their fortune from. And then number four at the box office, and this is where the story is. It's a movie called Bros. Bros, billed as what? Bros, it's the first gay romantic comedy ever. First gay romantic comedy ever. And I'm like, um, okay. Really, if you look at anything, it should be, is it funny? It's a comedy. Okay, is it funny? Apparently, it's not funny. It is focused largely based on the review I read from Kyle Smith of the Wall Street Journal. It's it's really focused on a lot of stereotypical things that people say about gay people, which is kind of funny. You wouldn't think that... Uh, you think that, well, we got a chance. We can make our own movie, and we can do this and really show the world. And, like, no... It's about orgies. It's about a couple trying to decide whether or not they want to have a foursome. And that's part of it. I don't think that's the main crux of it. And you're just sitting there going, what the hell? Who wants to see this? I don't even know if gay people want to see this. Well, nobody wants to see this. Apparently, it only made $4.8 million in the box office. It's rather pathetic. Uh, it was on three thousand in 3,000... 350 different movie theaters on 3,350 different screens. That's for a per screen average of $1,432, which is pathetic over the course of a weekend. To give it some context, the movie Smile was uh, opened on 3,645 screens, so 100 just shy of uh, 300 fewer screens. And it averaged $6,035 per screen. So that'll tell you just how poorly it did. The star, Billy Eckner, I don't know if you know who Billy Eckner is. He, uh, I understood he was some sort of celebrity interviewer or something. He was one of those people who made their name, sadly, my theory of it's just a matter of getting attention. It's not about you know, being famous, it's about infamous, it's just about getting attention. Um, <clears throat> he ran up to people on the streets, somebody following him with a camera, and shoved a microphone in their face, asked them a, a quick question out of the blue when they weren't expecting it. It, it really should be like, caused, you really run risk of getting decked if you do this. But he's like, what do you think about this? Uh, what? Huh? What? Who are you? And then he'd run away from them and not give them a chance to answer or whatever. It's my understanding of it. Well, he's now apparently an actor. He's gay. He's famous for being gay now and being obnoxious. Which, you know, if you really want to help the cause, how about just be gay without being obnoxious? You know, Paul Lind did the gay and obnoxious thing back in the 70s. He had it covered, right? How about you just be gay and nobody cares? And how about it? It doesn't matter. It's about who you are as a person. Crazy idea, I know, but uh, Hollywood seems to be out of their own ideas. We'll throw that out there. So this movie bombed. Huge, huge bomb. And the star comes out and says the following on Twitter, and you wonder why this movie bombed. 
Last night, I snuck in and sat in the back of a sold-out theater playing bros in L.A. The audience howled with laughter, start to finish, burst into applause at the end, and some were wiping away tears as they walked out. It was truly magical. Really, I am very proud of this movie. I highly doubt that happened, given the per-screen average. Maybe it happened in L.A., maybe, but I doubt it. Then he says... Because then he starts recognizing that his movie's bombing because his movie's bombing. Now, he tweeted this on Sunday. He already knew the movie was bombing. What's weird about Hollywood is they know by about, eh, they know about dinner time on the West Coast on Friday whether or not a movie is bombing and whether or not it will bomb. He's trying to stir up some attention for it because it's not earning it on its own. He continues, Rolling Stone ha- already has bros on the list of best comedies of the 21st century. That's weird. It just literally came out. But, of course, it's Rolling Stone. I don't know if it's true or not, but eh, what are you going to do? What's also true is that at one point, a theater chain called Universal and said they were pulling the trailer because of the gay content. Universal convinced them not to. America F yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see, wait a second, this is taking a this is taking a turn right here. A turn for the worst. Maybe he's finally re- accepting the gravity of the bomb that he put in theaters. So then he said, that's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomatoes scores, an A cinema score, etc., straight people especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing. But it is what it is. But maybe you're uh, the contempt with which you hold the rest of the country is a part of the reason. See, you got to kind of be likable. Nobody goes, God, that guy is an a-hole, but I can't wait to see his next movie. Tom Cruise... For all of his weird energy, and boy, howdy, if you ever see Tom Cruise interviewed, he has got that smile plastered on his face. You don't you don't know, and everybody I've ever heard interview Tom Cruise, anybody I've ever heard talk about the time they met Tom Cruise, talks about, man, he couldn't have been more attentive. He, couldn't, he made me feel like he was talking to just me and only me, and he was super nice, and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, and I said, well, did you, did you feel like you know him at all? No. Not at all. Like you walk away and you know nothing, you know less about him than you did before. That's just how he is. But damn it, he seems likable. He could be insufferable. Maybe he is just as likable in real life. It doesn't matter. Billy Eckner, you don't seem likable. That's the problem. You seem like a jackass that nobody would want to sit there and go, oh, God. When uh, they get on the bus or the subway car or they show up at your table, it's like, oh, geez. I got to get out of here. I don't want to be around this person. So if you hold everybody in contempt, they're going to return the favor. If your shtick is I'm a jackass who gets in people's faces, people aren't going to go, oh, well, let's see if he can do a different turn. No, they go, I don't want to support this guy. I don't want to do this. I I couldn't care less about your movie. And oh, by the way, oh, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate you. You're flyover country. You're disgusting. I love that my chemical toilet on the private jet that I fly from New York to Los Angeles empties itself all over your houses. You all suck. Like, well, why wouldn't somebody want to go and see your movie? But the Rotten Tomatoes scores and the cinemas. Yeah, you know what? 
the Rotten Tomato scores. There is uh, no group of human beings who are more politically correct than movie reviewers. You watch it. You read some of the reviews. Don't go see the movie you don't want to. But take a second, look up some of the reviews, and you will find people. It doesn't matter. You pick the movie. Some left-wing movie that's got like, oh, 97% of critics say this is an awesome movie. Read some of the reviews. The vast majority of them are not going to be about the movie itself. The vast majority of them are going to be about how important it is that the movie got made. This is an important movie. It really highlights something that blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wait a second. You're reviewing a movie. I don't want to hear about how uh, somebody got their chance to make this movie and that's a wonderful thing. I don't care. I don't care. What, oh, man. The movie sucks, but it's the first time it's a gay romantic comedy. Okay, well, then why would I go see it? Well, because it's important. No, no, no. What's important is my time. I want to go and see whether a movie, if it's funny. If it's not funny or if it's in your face or if its first priority is not to make me laugh but to make me care about whatever issue or understand this, that, or the other, then I'm not interested. I'm really not interested. I'm not going anywhere near it. doesn't make me a homophobe. It makes me normal. The vast majority of movies I do not go see. Why? Because they don't interest me. So then Billy Eckner finishes it up this way. This is, you know, how to turn off an audience 101. Quote, everyone who isn't, and isn't is in all caps, so you know he's totally for serious. Anyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. And it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. Yeah, because there's really no movies made about gay people or featuring gay characters. Actually, if aliens just beamed down to the planet right now and consumed our pop culture to know as if they did, they think that about 40% of the population is gay, 10% is trans, and 50% are just horrible monsters keeping them oppressed. <laughs> Actually, they might think 90% of the... You just watch TV commercials and, and TV shows and everything. You want to talk... We need representation. That's what he's saying. It's so important for queer folks who don't get this. When, When's the last time you saw anything without some prominent gay character? In a commercial. It's a car commercial. There's two guys holding hand shopping for a car. I don't care, but let's not pretend that suddenly everybody's in the closet and oh man it's taboo to even consider gay people no i can't think of it i don't watch very much television anymore as far as broadcast television but abc has the standard that if you don't have so much of this type of representation and that type of they're not going to make the movie or they're not going to make the tv show it doesn't matter how good they think it is they will refuse to make it they have that standard it's not me and what's weird is like, I didn't watch Modern Family. My family watched Modern Family. My, my brothers and sisters, they, they loved it. I just, everything like that where they talk to the camera and do interviews and the fake mockumentary thing, it's just a ripoff of the British version of The Office. And it's like half the shows that I see advertised. The one about the elementary school, the one on Fox about the town. I can't even remember what it is. Welcome to whatever. They're all ripoffs of the British version of The Office. And I, I, it doesn't interest, it's an old stale format, even though it's relatively new to American audiences. And I just look at it and I can't, I can't watch it. Somebody says something stupid and then there's the one person who gets it. 
the one character who gets it looks over at the camera and gives that Jim from the office eye roll like, oh, geez, here we go. And uh, yeah, that's that's the basis for seemingly 80 percent of the sitcoms these days. Anyway, I, 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 I'm not interested in, in those. I'm not interested in any of these things. And I'm not interested in anything but being entertained. Has nothing to do with homophobia. Although you seem to hate straight people, which makes me go, I'm glad your movie tanked. And I won't even watch it when HBO tries to pretend that its premiere on HBO is some kind of big deal because they're trying to suck up to Judd Apatow. Yeah, it couldn't happen to a bomb, couldn't happen to nicer, more deserving people than somebody like Billy Eckner. Okay, moving on. I want to play you this. Um, this clip, because you sit there, I always talk about the media and how they manipulate people. And it's only because the media is horrible and they manipulate people. But uh, it's not very often that you hear some sort of official, and this isn't necessarily a government official, but this is a United Nations official, talk about how they coordinate to manipulate people, to manipulate search results. Now, what's Messed up about this is I played you last week um, Jacinda Adhern, the uh, Prime Minister of, of New Zealand, who wants to get the world to censor speech online in the name of tolerance, in the name of progress. They don't, they, she probably doesn't realize that she's the fascist. She, she's worried about fascism, so she's advocating for fascism and you sit there and you go that doesn't doesn't make any sense but you know we're not dealing with the particular bright people it's a, the complete and total lack of self-awareness that makes people leaders so dangerous these days hitler mussolini stalin they knew what they were doing mao knew what they were doing now the same people in charge people in charge are doing the same things rhetorically and would love to implement the same things from a policy standpoint but they really believe they're the good guys. They really believe that they're the ones bringing the tolerance. Look in the name of tolerance we just have to kill a few hundred thousand people. That's all there is to it. But on the other end of it, at the end of the day, once we're done killing all of these people, we will be a significantly more tolerant uh, population you're like what the hell kind of sense does that make it doesn't make any sense but that's what these leftists think this clip features under secretary general of the united nations melissa fleming she's talking about climate change and she's talking about manipulating search results manipulating search results partnering with google to manipulate search results so that anybody who searches climate change will get government agency approved results, the UN approved results. That's it from them. And you're sitting there and you know, that should horrify everybody. That really should, if the government is going to decide, any government agency is going to decide what is and is not acceptable. Listen to her brag about it. She thinks that she's, you know, of course, she believes she's in the right. Oh, I'm in the right. We're in the right. It's okay. We know what's best for you. That sort of arrogance. So it's okay that we're manipulating people. Well, no, the truth doesn't need to be manipulated. 
if you have confidence in what you're saying, you don't need to manipulate people. You can just lay it out there. They'll get it. You'll convince them through proof, but they can't. They can't explain why it is for 40 years they've been telling us we have 10 years left to live, blah, blah, blah. They simply just don't want to anymore. They're sick of trying to do it. And instead of, you know, they should be sick of going, wait, we, for 40 years we've been saying that all hell's going to break loose and all hell hasn't broken loose. Maybe that's what you should be sick of, being wrong. But they're not sick of being wrong. They're sick of not getting their way. And so they're stacking the deck to try and make sure that they do. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. We own the science. We own this. We own the science. Well, then there should be no study. Why are you uh, suppressing studies that contradict the consensus? And why, while we're at it, Madam Undersecretary, when did science become about majority vote? That's what, uh, one thing that it's never understood. Majority, it's a consensus. The vast majority of climate scientists agree. Well, first of all, the vast majority of climate scientists agree doesn't mean anything to me because they will not get their government grants. They will not get their funding unless they agree. So, you know, that's, you hold a gun to somebody's head. It's really amazing how suddenly wildly popular you become. Hey, should I shoot you? No, no, you shouldn't. You're the best person in the world. You really do like me, don't you? No, you're just threatening to kill me. When you are the government and the government says this is happening and this is the results we want, any study that does not conform with that, any study that goes even to, because the government has declared not only all government studies have to conform with that, but uh, there's no reason to even study this. So you can't say, hey, we're going to look into why it is that after well, 30 years of saying that Greenland was going to melt, that Greenland hasn't melted. We're going to look into why it is that after 30 years of saying that the Antarctic is going to melt, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be dirt down there, and actually the ice plate has, has grown down there. We want to look into why that is. They're not going to do that. They don't want attention drawn to it. Just like we're going to study hurricanes to find out why they're getting stronger because of climate change. Here's your government check. Instead of, we're going to study climate change to find out why, after Katrina, all these people told us there were going to be frequent, more frequent, and more deadly, and stronger hurricanes, even stronger. Category 5 are going to have to create Category 6. It's going to be a nonstop, and then it didn't happen, and why we didn't have a hurricane reach the United States, make landfall for 15 years after Katrina. There's no, you know, there's no money in that. There's no government grant in that. They're not going to sit there and go, okay, well, we'll look into No. 
You're not going to get a government grant. And guess what happens to your university job that is dependent upon you publishing in scientific journals and in getting government grants to help cover not only your salary's budget, but the budget for your office and research and everything. That dries up and you lose your job. So what do you think you're going to get if you start manipulating the science that way? Or, God forbid, you you get the grant because you're looking to find out why it is climate change is going to kill us all. And in the course of that research, you discover that it's actually not happening, that the Earth is cooling a little bit in the last few years, which shouldn't be the case if we're all going to die because the temperatures are rising. So what do you do with that study? You, you crunched all the data. You, you really have to be ballsy to try to publish it, but it'll be career suicide. If you even put your name on that thing and it circulates, it will be career suicide. There are a lot of publishers out there talking about how it is that they simply cannot get, they will not submit, they will not even consider studies that do not fit the narrative that climate change is happening and will destroy us all. And why would anybody bother to create a study, like publish a study like that? If you know that that study, publishing that study or even submitting that study will be the end of your career, you're going to take your data that you discovered and go, we're going to put that down. Not gonna... All right, let's all pretend that didn't happen, okay? Let's all pretend that didn't happen. But I did. I decided I have Bing and I have Google open. If you just search climate change, you want to talk about manipulation? Climate.nasa.gov comes up first for for, uh, Google. Then there's some news stories. And it's all about, I mean, for God's sakes, this NPR story. Come along as we connect the dots between climate migration and the far right. That's your tax dollars at work. Then there's UN.org. What is climate change? Then there's the IPCC.ch. That is the Intergovernmental uh, Panel on Climate Change. The United Nations. There again. Then there's uh, effects, and it's all from the United Nations. Causes, all from the United Nations. These little subheadlines. All you did was search this. Then there's the Wikipedia page. You can imagine what that is. Then there's EPA.gov, the United States government uh, manipulation is not to be left out. Then there's the Royal Society, the UK over there. They want you to be involved. Then there's the World Health Organization. They, nobody is more trustworthy than the World Health Organization, am I right? Those are, and then there's climate.gov. Those are your results when you go to Google and just want to get some information about climate change. There is no debate at all allowed anymore. And the results for Bing, quite frankly, are not all that different. They're more international. It's not as UN heavy, but it's there. And the first three people you get is Greta Thurburgler, Al Gore, and James Hansen, who created the uh, joke hockey stick graph that illustrated that we were all going to be dead by now, temperatures were going to spike, and they just didn't. But if you're on the right side of the cause, it doesn't matter how much you are on the wrong side of the facts. You're a hero to the left, period, end of story. You're being manipulated in everything you do. In everything you do. That's how it works. By the way, if you were wondering... 
because I'm thorough. I went and uh, typed in, in DuckDuckGo. Let's see what climate change brings up. It's pretty much the same thing, DuckDuckGo. So they, they tell you they don't save their things, but eh, the first result is different. SaveTheChildren.org, but it's an ad. The first non-ad result is uh, UN.org, the National Geographic, the NASA, then uh, all the, the same things. The United Nations is very thorough in their manipulation of the American public, ladies and gentlemen. They do not let things go slip through the cracks anymore. They can't afford to risk people thinking for themselves or discovering contrary information. The thoroughness with which they tackle everything these days, uh, mostly batting down anybody who refuses to obey them, should tell you something. Because if, if somebody disagrees with me, and I really want to have engage with them, and I think there's a possibility of engaging with them to, to change their mind, I will engage with them. I will change their mind through a recitation of facts and extrapolating from those facts. If you don't have the facts on your side, you can't do that. You just try to shut them up. You become Daffy Duck slamming down Bugs Bunny when you dig into that cave full of jewels and gold. And says, mine, 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 down, down, down. You try and do that with questions. It only leads to more questions. The first and foremost being, what are you so afraid of? If you're right, what are you so afraid of? As we begin to wrap it up for today, I do want to go north a little bit. North of the border. North of the border. No, that's south of the border. Never mind. Go north of the border of Maryland anyway. South of the border of Pennsylvania is where I live. To Pennsylvania. The, uh, God... I, I don't know who said it. Somebody said this on Twitter, and I absolutely concur with it. I should, they said, uh, no matter what terms or conditions for debates that Fetterman puts up there with Dr. Oz, Dr. Oz should agree to all of them. Say, hey, you can have, we'll do uh, as many debates, whatever. You want debates where you can have a staffer on, on right there on stage next to you? You can do it. Whatever the conditions are, let's have more debates, and you can have those conditions. Fetterman's losing his lead even in the the corrupt polls which uh tells you how bad of a candidate he is already but he's also just uh he can't do the job he's not up to it and the reason oz should agree to do whatever whenever whatever you want, is because of things like this on friday night probably because friday night is the least watched night of television cable news of the week Fetterman was on with uh, Chris Hayes over at MSNBC. It doesn't get much safer than that. I'm surprised they didn't tape it so they could fix something like this, cut out something like this. But he can't, Fetterman cannot, he can't do the job. He can't speak. He can't think straight. Again, not making fun of the guy for having a stroke. I am saying it's kind of sad that there's nobody around this guy to go, you know what, you're not up to the job. Honey, I care more about you. I care about you enough to the point that I can't let you do this. You can't. You, you have to focus on getting better. That should be what any friend, family member, spouse, whatever, that should be their number one and really only priority is we have to make sure that you get the care you need. Because you clearly aren't up to the job. Instead, they keep 
plugging him out there. Now, maybe he's he seems like an obnoxious, entitled jerk, grew up rich, uh, never really held a real job in his life. So, he, you know, he, he, there's not much telling of that person, a person like that. You can't really tell. You couldn't tell. I was listen, I'm listening to a book by David Petrusha, Petrusha right now called 1960. And they describe Bobby and Teddy and Jack Kennedy as uh, Father Joe saying, don't ever expect them to say please or thank you. They've lived their whole lives having everything given to them. This is the guy who made them, the guy who gave them everything, complaining about how awful his kids were. There are a lot of people like that. Just, you're never going to be able to tell them anything. They know better. Shut up get out of the way and the sense of entitlement that they have. And maybe that's how John Fetterman is. I don't know. He certainly has the background to be that way. But he appeared on a very safe space. It doesn't get much safer than being a progressive leftist pile of garbage who chases down black men because they're running down the street and you assume they actually did something. They had to have done something wrong. That's John Fetterman's past. He did it with a shotgun, pulled a shotgun on a black guy. It doesn't get much uh, much easier for an interview like with somebody like that than Chris Hayes. He's not going to challenge you. He's not going to challenge you. And he screws up. Now this is funny. Except till you realize that, you know, it's because he's had a stroke, but even then it's still funny because he keeps putting himself out there. He's aware of what his shortcomings are. He's aware of what his medical needs are, and he's decided to hell with it on moving forward. So, you know, Feel free to laugh at him at that point. Listen closely to what he says. It's not that he screws up the order of the words in a sentence he's making up on the fly. It's that he doesn't catch it. At first, I just wanted to check in and see how how you're feeling and how you're doing. I'm doing fa- I'm doing fantastic, and and uh, it's not about kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, and the setup was about how he's standing up to authority and blah, blah. He's not. He's he's the estab- He's the lieutenant governor of the state. He's born rich. He's not a rebel. Oh, I'm standing up. I'm going against everything. Really, you want to go against everything. The pro- Renounce your, your, your family's support. Never accept a dime of your family's support again and pay them back the millions that they spent on you. No, no, we don't want to do that. Renounce your inheritance. Tell your parents to get bent and take you out of the will. That would be standing up. Eh, no. We're going to kick the authority and uh, kick kick balls in the authority. What the hell does that... And he doesn't recognize it. As, as speaking as a dyslexic person, I'm offended on behalf of, of him. <laughs> Lastly, I want to play for you this clip of Joe Biden calling for amnesty again at an event at the White House. He um, he doesn't care about the border. He doesn't care about the people who are dying at the border. Hundreds of people are dying at the border. People, Illegal aliens are dying at the border. He doesn't care. Just, well, yeah, but it's such a small percentage of the people coming over. He doesn't care about the Americans killed by He doesn't care. He wants the agenda item. And now he's, he wants his amnesty. Providing a pathway for dreamers. Can you imagine maybe some of you are dreamers? It's like, you're, well, I don't know what people expect to say when your mom's taking you across the Rio Grande and say, no, mom, I'm staying here. I'm not going. I'm going to make my choice. Come on. This is bizarre. 
the temporary status holders, farm workers, and essential workers as well. We have to do more to modernize our laws so business can get workers they need and families don't have to wait decades, decades to be together. Clap, clap, deck families. Families don't have to wait decades. They want to be together, they can go home. If you, oh, I moved to a country and I miss my aunts and uncles so desperately, or my ch- then go back to them. Nobody's stopping you. This isn't a prison island. You're free to leave whenever you want. But the idea, we got to give dreamers, we got to get the dreamers in there. You notice how he does that? And then he says, and uh, temporary workers and guest workers and people coming in. Wait a second. that You just expanded that pool really, really large, really, really quickly. No. Now the kid, the, the two-year-old didn't have a say. The mom did. And what is Joe Biden advocating? Not only that the kid gets the citizenship, but that, well, it would be inhumane to boot the mom out. Well, then you're suddenly directly rewarding the people who knowingly and willingly broke the laws of the United States. They're using their kids as a shield. Now, if I immigrated somewhere, I'd want to bring my kids with me too, obviously, but I do so legally. That's the weird thing. Democrats want to award people, reward people who did so illegally because they're fairly convinced that they'll get a high enough percentage of their votes. I think they've sort of acknowledged that the Hispanics we have aren't going to vote for them, so they need a new round of Hispanics. No. Enforce our laws. Boot them out. Problem solved. There you go. And birthright citizenship. Problem solved. Democrats don't want to solve the problems. They benefit from it, or so they think. Anyway, we're out of time for today. That's enough. That's enough from you, young man. Fear not, though, we'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. We're just getting started with this week and with the crazy. Have a great one.